Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. I am so happy to be back recording again. I originally told myself that I was going to take a two-week hiatus and use that time to clear out all my non-essential meetings, basically just only do my coaching clients and write. That meant that I actually took a pretty long break off of Instagram. I don't think we posted anything for six days in a row, which is unusual. I usually try to post every two or three days. And we didn't do any original content for a while, longer than that. Took a little hiatus and I was really in the zone. Well, I was in the zone up until (laughs) this past week. So I was in the zone. I was writing, making really good progress on my book proposal. And then I got to this week where I intended to close it out, start sending my book proposal out to potential agents. And so many ups and downs happened. It was crazy. Lots of highs lots of lows, took up a lot of time. So I wanted to hop back onto the podcast because I felt like I learned so much this week. I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to find the best way to deal with what happens in life. And I feel like I had a real breakthrough. And even though I was planning on waiting until September to hop back on and record, I just thought I need to do this today. So here I am. Thank you for being here with me. The topic that we're talking about is what is the right process for feeling your feelings. Maybe right isn't actually the correct word to use because I don't want to make it seem like there's only one process that you should ever use to feel your feelings. But essentially what I'm talking about here is how can you best support yourself when things get shitty? What is the best way for you to allow yourself to really sit in it, be in it, so that you can release it while also maintaining a really healthy, spiritually-based perspective. You guys probably have experienced some of this, at least in the past year, because we've all been going through so much with climate change and the global pandemic and financial uncertainty and the market and things like that. But you know when something in your life happens that's not ideal? It's actually really upsetting. Like, you don't get the job that you wanted, even though you've been interviewing for two months, or you break up with your partner totally unexpectedly, or you have a huge disappointment because you planned to spend a week on vacation and it rains the whole time, you know, whatever it might be. And in the more extreme versions of that, it might be that you have health problems or someone in your family has health problems, whatever it might be. We all know that bad things happen and we're told some really positive things to help us snap out of it. So I'm sure you've heard this from a friend, a family member, from yourself, things like, oh, well, there's always a silver lining. Or remember that when something bad happens in your life, it's just a window to something else coming in. You know, one door closes, another door opens. Or something like, there's always something to be learned everything bad that happens to you, there's a learning there. There's a growing. Happens for a reason. Everything happens for our spiritual highest and best purpose. 
I think that all of that is true. I mean, I'm kind of the queen of that. As you guys know, I grew up with a really, really erratic childhood, very poor, very abusive. And I've always thought, okay, what's the silver lining here? What's the silver lining? So I've sort of been programmed to always look for the silver lining. I think what I realized is that sometimes it can do a disservice to me. In the spiritual community, we call it spiritual bypassing, which is essentially using spiritual beliefs and your spiritual philosophies to bypass the feelings that you're actually feeling. And so you never resolve them. So something bad happens and you're like, well, whatever, everything happens for a reason, moving on. And so the tension that I'm playing with in this episode is one, how do you let yourself acknowledge and respect the emotions that are coming up for you while also simultaneously having a healthy and supportive perspective that can help pull you out of the darkness that you're feeling. It's a tension that I've been wrestling with a lot. What's the right amount? How much do you dedicate to those two sides of the coin, right? One side being the engagement of your emotions, no matter how dark they are. And the other side is elevating yourself and elevating your consciousness so that you can see out beyond those emotions and that darkness and return back to the light. So what is a healthy and productive and helpful way to do this? I'll give you some context for the reason why this is coming up for me. You guys all know that I've been on this two-year fertility journey, and I felt really good about this month. We did a process called IUI, intrauterine insemination, and I felt really good. My body felt healthy. I felt really strong. I was really happy, and it felt like I might actually have a shot at it working, whereas in the past, the other two times when I did it, my body felt all out of sorts. I was so cranky, grumpy, gained 15 pounds each time, was so bloated and you know, really couldn't work, had so many emotional ups and downs. This time we switched my medication and I was so, so, so much better. So I was feeling really excited and I actually just got my period today. So it did not work. And this is two years of, of trying On top of that, we were lucky enough to rent this little place in Connecticut for this month. So I wanted to go out and use it as my space for writing, to use it as my escape from the city because I live in like a very, very urban, busy, kind of hectic energy. So I was excited to go hiking every morning with my dog and make dinners, drive out to the country, swim in some lakes, etc. And when we got there, it was so hot. And the place where we were staying didn't have air conditioning because normally it never gets that hot climate change, obviously. (laughs) But, you know, this part of Connecticut is actually known for being a few degrees colder than any of the surrounding places just because of the elevation and the location. And it was like above 90 degrees. It was sweltering. We only had one box fan. It was terrible. Also, what I didn't realize is that this place was right next to the fire station And in this particular town, they sound this giant alarm that goes off for about 60 seconds, so loud. And they do it every day at 12 p.m. and 5 p.m. And they also do it every time the police are called or the fire unit is engaged. This alarm goes off multiple times a day and it's so jarring. Sometimes it would go off at 3 a.m., 6 a.m. and wake me up. So my restful country escape actually turned out to be really stressful. (laughs) And I was really unhappy about that. 
And I felt like I should say to myself, well, one, Liz, you're so lucky to even be renting this place. So just deal with it. You know, no place is perfect. You got a really good deal on this location. And there are going to be things that you don't like about it. That's fine. Look at the big picture. And then with getting my period and not being pregnant, it was like, okay, everything happens for a reason. Okay, let's move forward. No use in being upset about it. Can't control it. So just move on. And I felt myself telling myself all these things, but I just couldn't quote unquote snap myself out of it as I normally did. And it was because I wasn't really letting myself feel it. So the first step in the process of whatever intense emotions you're experiencing is just to get them all out. And I really do this with my coaching clients. Before I start to offer them solutions, I really let them tell me everything that's on their mind. And I even prod them a bit where I say, okay, what's the worst case scenario here? What are you worried about? What are your biggest fears? Play this out. What are you scared of? And I keep asking, what else? What else? What else? And it is only when you've gone to the deepest reaches of the emotional cave, do I then start to help bring them back to the positive. And I wasn't doing that for myself. And so I sat down and I made a list and it was a list in my journal and I labeled the top of it. Why am I sad? And I started to make tree branches. It was kind of like a diagram where I wrote what something I was sad about. And then I would branch that off to all the reasons why I was sad about it. All the things it brought up for me, not just in that moment, but my inner child, right? So this feeling of this house not working out was so disappointing because I've always yearned for a house. I have moved so many times in my life. I moved almost every year when I was a child. So for me, I'm so sensitive around anything related to my domicile and a feeling of permanence. So this is coming up, this old story, this old idea that I never have a place that feels like home. And so I'm seeing how these things that are happening are so much more than the event it's really triggering these deeper set emotional childhood-based issues. So I allowed myself to really explore that. So I'd write, why am I sad? What does this bring up for me right now? But also, what does this bring up for me for my family of origin and my childhood and all of the trauma we as humans carry with us? You know, we all have some of that baggage. And so what is that poking at? What feels really raw right now? And then I wrote out what's in my control and what's not in my control. I allowed myself to see what was really something I could spend time worrying about because I could actually do something about it and what was something I had just had to accept. So in the case of the house, there were things I could definitely change to make it better. And in case of not getting pregnant, you know, there's not really much I can do to stop my period, turn back time and get an egg to finally implant into my uterus. And then I looked at this list And I labeled everything on a scale from one to 10, how bad it actually was, right? So the house not having AC, I don't know, it's probably like a three. The house being dusty and dirtier than I thought it was, I don't know, probably a two. Not being able to sleep at night because of the sirens, eh, probably a five, that's higher up. I really need my sleep. Some frustrations that I was having with my landlord back here in New York City, it's probably a four. And so that really helped me put everything into context. 
And so one, the first step I will recommend in feeling your feelings is doing a brain dump like that, going to your journal and writing everything down, why it upsets you, what upsets you about it in the moment, but also what upsets you about it from your previous history, from your story, from the trauma that you're carrying with you. And then you go and you label everything on a scale from one to 10, like how bad is it actually? And then finally, I made a list of everything that I was grateful for that these hardships had brought to me. So what's the silver lining when it comes to all of this? And I felt like this was really, really helpful. I also talked to a couple of friends about it. I talked to my husband about it and it was helpful to be free to really vent and let myself feel my feelings, but I processed it for myself, you know, most of the way. And so I could feel really good about knowing that I wasn't just emotionally dumping on the people in my life. They're of course here to help me and support me, but I did some of that initial interior work myself, which is really necessary because it's my life. It's my process. It's my feelings. And I want to be able to work through it with myself, to be here and to support myself. And then the second step of my process was to recognize that none of these things that were happening were permanent. I pushed myself not to globalize them. So to make something global is to say that this one thing that happened, this instance, means that this will always happen. For example, with not getting pregnant, saying to myself, yes, I didn't get pregnant this month, but this does not mean that I will never have a child. I can't extrapolate in that way. It's just not helpful and it's not true. And then with the house, the feeling that I was thinking, the global way of seeing it was that I never have a place is truly, truly mine. It's impossible for me to ever have a place and that has all the things that I want. You know, I really have a chip on my shoulder about that because I feel like I'm always making compromises with my husband about where we live and what what we do and where we go because we're very different from each other. And in my mind, I have this story that's like, I never get what I want when it comes to my living situation. And then I had to remember, I can't make that global. Just because this place isn't right doesn't mean that there won't be a perfect right place in the future. I mean, obviously nothing's ever perfect, but it doesn't mean that I can't be happy in the future. So that was the second step. Remember that this is not a global occurrence. This is one instance. It may be one instance in a pattern, right? This is me two years into trying to get pregnant and it not working, but I cannot extrapolate and say that I will never, ever, ever have children. It's just so unhelpful to do that. The third step of all of this is just to remember that sometimes shitty things happen for no reason at all. I'm someone who's so cognitive and someone who's so rational that I always want to know the reason why. I'm like, why is this happening? What could I have done to prevent this? What was the data that I needed in the beginning? What were the inputs that I should have considered? What were the factors that I missed? How can I make sure that I prevent this from ever happening again? I've had to let go of that because step three of this process of feeling your feelings is to embrace and accept the complete randomness of life. There's a Buddhist saying that life is 10,000 sorrows and 10,000 joys. And I really think it's true. Things happen to people all the time that there's no reason for. You know, one of my really good friends 
has this crazy autoimmune disease right now that is going to impact her entire life. She'll have to be on medicine for the whole rest of her life. And literally, there's no reason for it. There is no reason. One of my best friends battled cancer for three years. She was so healthy. There was no reason for it. I was born into a family where I never met my dad. Why? Who knows? No reason for it. And it doesn't mean that we need to be nihilistic and look at life and say that it's miserable. Sometimes shit things happen to good people. And there's no reason why it's unfair. It's not cool. It's not ideal. It's very stressful and it sucks. I think we have to just accept that. And of course, on the flip side, beautiful, magical, unexpected things happen all the time as well for no reason. So life is great in that way, right? We have all these magical things that happen. The other day I was talking to a group of friends and we're just chatting about the randomness of life. And I said, okay, everyone tell me three best things that have ever happened to you in life. So they all told me the three best things. And then I said, how many of those things were unplanned, unexpected, or surprising? And everyone said that at least two of those three very best things were unplanned, unexpected, or surprising. And the same is really true for me. Like, I think the three best things that ever happened to me in my life are one, for me, the first thing is meeting my husband, Dev, and falling in love with him. It was completely unexpected. I had no idea it was going to be him. I had met him two years earlier and we weren't interested in each other. And even when we started dating, I didn't necessarily believe that he was my soulmate, but here he is and it's completely undeniable. The second thing is my dog. I love my dog so much. That was pretty planned. (laughs) I definitely worked really hard on being considered for that one. But then the final thing is my job that I had when I worked in venture capital. And obviously I don't do that work now. It was not my life's calling, but it opened up a lot of doors for me and provided me with a way to have more confidence in myself, to see myself more clearly, and to know that that wasn't what I wanted. And venture capital jobs are these highly sought after coveted positions because there aren't that many of them. But at the time I had no interest in it. I never really thought about it as a goal. It popped up because someone who I used to work with referred me into this firm. It was an ex-client of mine said, oh, you should talk to this firm. You know, maybe there's something there for you. But it was never on my radar. And so I want to ask you right now, what are the three very best things that have ever happened to you? And how many of those things were unplanned, unexpected, or surprising? Life hands us a mystery box. And we open up that mystery box. And sometimes it is completely amazing. And sometimes it's really, really terrible. And I think that that's just something to embrace, that life is always going to be full of ups and downs. And that's why we learn these processes of helping us work through our downs. The same week that I had all of these more negative things happen, I also had something really positive happen. Dev and I were looking at different houses in Connecticut and 10 minutes before we were supposed to meet the realtor, he said, hey, you know, I saw this piece of land on Zillow, seems kind of crazy and like not really what we're looking for because we weren't planning on building a house, but let's go look at it. And I said, yeah, sure, why not? You know, I decided to say yes instead of saying no. As I always say on this podcast, say yes to life and life will say yes to you. And we hadn't thought about buying land and building our own house because the whole endeavor seems so expensive. We just thought, you know, we want a place that won't be our primary residence so we don't want to spend too much money on it. 
And as we started touring around and seeing these houses, we realized how crazy it would be because even if you get a massive deal on a house for any place in this area, because all the houses are so old, you're going to have to put almost the same amount, if not more, in what you pay for the house into the renovation. And with renovations, you pay in cash. You can't take out a mortgage to renovate a property. You can mortgage the house and put down a down payment, but you have to pay 100% of the cost of the renovation, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we were thinking that with a piece of land and building a house, it would be even worse because can you even finance the land? Can you even finance a new construction build? We just didn't really know. We've never met anyone who's built a house from scratch before. So we went to go see this piece of land and we fell in love with it. It was great. I mean, there's still a lot of TBDs on it. We don't know if you can actually build a house there based on basically whether or not you can have septic, like a septic tank installed and whether or not you can run water into the property. We have to figure all those things out. But I went home and I called four different banks just to see what the deal was on doing a new construction and getting a mortgage on buying land. And one of those banks, I mean, well, all of those banks said, yeah, we absolutely can finance that. And then one of the banks said, yeah, for the amount that you're thinking of doing it for, which is considered a jumbo loan, we could actually do it for 10% down, which is crazy. That's half the amount that you'd have to put down if you bought a house. And so there's this really magical moment where my husband and I just started dreaming and we were like, great, you know, maybe it's not this exact plot of land, but now we are so clear on our vision. We know the house that we want to build. You know, we're so clear on like what this dream house looks like. And then that actually inspired us to start dreaming bigger for our lives where we basically said, wow, we didn't even know that this was possible. So what else is possible? So I'm taking today to rewrite my goals. I want to write a best-selling book. I want to impact a ton of people, but I want to put some numbers around that that feel really big and scary because acknowledging that life brings you these beautiful surprises just in the same way it brings you not so good surprises actually enables you to dream more freely knowing that you don't really know how you're going to get from point A to point B, right? You don't need to understand how it's going to happen. Just in the same way with bad things, you don't really have to understand why they're happening to you. You know, what's the cause? I have no idea why I can't get pregnant. Every single test that I've taken shows me in like the top five percentile of my age group for how many eggs I have. Everything checks out. I've had a dozen tests done unexplained. I mean, maybe there's some reason that we just don't know yet, but in my world, it's unexplained. On the other side of things, I feel like there are these really beautiful, magical things that are going to come into my life in the future. And I don't know how they're going to get here. They're going to be unexplained. Just like the job I got in venture capital and just like meeting my husband, they were complete random surprises and gifts from the universe. So anyway, that's number three is to acknowledge that sometimes shitty things just happen to us for no reason. And also same time to acknowledge that sometimes magical things happen to us just because. So that's my three-step process for feeling your feelings. Just to recap, the first one is to get them all down on paper. So you're going to open up your journal and you're going to write everything that makes you sad. And then you're going to write what makes you sad about it now in the moment. Then you write what makes it sad for you in terms of your trauma and your childhood baggage. And then step two, well, step one and a half. Now that you've processed it yourself, Turn to someone who you love and who loves you 
and tell them how you're feeling. Get it out. Step two, remember not to make it global. When things happen to us, we cannot say that this is how it's always going to be. If you are in a breakup, doesn't mean you're always going to be single and that you're not capable of love. If you messed up at work, it doesn't mean that you're going to fail at your job and that you're never going to succeed in your career. We cannot extrapolate beyond what is happening in the here and the now. And finally, the last step is remembering that life is full of 10,000 joys and 10,000 sorrows. What the goal is of this whole process is to enable you to really engage with process and fully give space to every single facet of your emotions, but you're also allowing for those emotions to be released. You're acknowledging them, you're respecting them, but you don't let your feelings become you. You don't let your feelings take over. You don't let them color how you see the world. In Buddhism, there's this idea of the two arrows, and these are the arrows of suffering. And essentially, what it means is that whenever we suffer, whenever misfortune comes our way, then that is the first arrow. We're being struck by an arrow and it's very, very painful. And in life, we can't always control that first arrow. However, our reaction is a second arrow. The second arrow is how much you allow that event to cause you unnecessary suffering. So oftentimes what happens is we're struck by the first arrow, which we can't do anything about, but then we go ahead and let the second arrow pierce into that already raw wound. We cause ourselves these unnecessary feelings of suffering when we let our emotions be confused for who we are. It's that globalization that I'm talking about. Let's say you get COVID and you're sick at home. You can't go to work. You feel terrible. It means that you're canceling a bunch of different events. That's the first arrow. There's nothing to be done there. But then there's the second arrow, and that's beating yourself up, thinking about what you could have done to prevent it, how life is so unfair, how you're so angry, and how you're so upset. And that is the second arrow that you can avoid. And by no means am I telling you to ignore your feelings. I'm telling you to let them out. I'm telling you, be with them. Be with them. Just don't become them. Let them out, scream, cry, say aloud as you're writing your list of what makes you sad. You can even say, ah, this is so unfair. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. You can have a tantrum. Go on a run, cry afterwards, watch a sad movie so that you can get all your tears out. Yes, let them out, let them out, let them out. But do not let this temporary moment of sadness impact the way that you see the world. Don't let it make you cynical or resentful or pessimistic. Don't live in the darkness for longer than you have to. All of us inevitably go to dark places, but we cannot let ourselves just crawl into a hole and be there. That's not the point of life. And so it's a difficult balance putting this whole thing into three neat steps, but I recognize that it's hard. You know, how do you let yourself feel and really process and engage with those deep, hard feelings that need to get out? But also, how do you not let them consume your whole life? So I think the big thing is putting them into perspective, you know, tag them for on a scale from one to 10 for how big they really are, you know, in the grand scheme of life. So maybe your best friend or someone you love dying is like 10 and then getting a splinter in your finger that you pull out pretty quickly is like a one. 
So really knowing, okay, where am I? How does this feel? And then what do you need to give yourself to let it out? And that should loosely correspond to how big the thing is. So let's say you get a splinter. Of course, you're not going to sulk about it for three days. But if your best friend dies, it may be years that you're processing that grief. And so I think keeping everything into perspective is a really important part of all this work. As you guys know, I coach a bunch of founders, about 35 in total, some in a group setting, some one-on-one, and they're always having struggles. Building a business is really hard. I mean, life is really hard. And then you throw lots of uncertainties and knowns on top of that in terms of building an early stage startup. And what I'm thinking of is there's this really great acronym that people talk a lot about in the startup community. And it comes from, I don't know if it comes from him, but this guy, Ben Horowitz, wrote about it in this book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And it's called WIFIO, W-F-I-O. And it stands for, we're fucked, it's over. And what he says is that every entrepreneur in building a business is going to have two to five moments where they feel and they really believe that they're fucked and it's over. And I really think that that's true about life. Extrapolate those two to five things over the course of a business and amortize them across a person's lifespan. And you actually probably end up with like a dozen moments where you feel like, we're fucked, it's over, maybe more. That's my way of telling you that if you are really going through it right now, if you have a lot of dark, dark feelings that are caused by really, really big things outside of your control, I just want to tell you, I feel you. I really, really, really feel you. It's so tough. And I am sending you so much empathy and so much love from across this digital universe and Just to remember that this feeling that you're fucked and it's over, it's not you. You are not the reason why. It is the inevitability of life. So anyway, I hope that this was actually appropriately uplifting versus depressing. I don't want anyone to feel like you just resign yourself to how unfair life is, you know. But this episode is to give you permission to feel that way. Feel it. Go into the abyss. Experiencing it. I really love this quote. The only way to escape the abyss is to look at it, gauge it, sound it out, and descend into it. Such a beautiful quote. And I wanted to read that to you to let you know that it's okay to ascend into the abyss, to really, really express whatever negativity or pessimism or anger or frustration you're feeling, but then also to remember that life isn't just an abyss. It's abysses and it's mountaintops. It's a feeling of being down. It's a feeling of being up. And all we can do is learn how to work with those feelings. Thank you guys for listening. And I am so sorry if you have DM'd me in the past month or so. I usually love reading your DMs and this is no exception. It's just that I've been so busy writing that I've been trying to keep my world in my book instead of branching out my attention to different places. So I'm so sorry if I missed your DM. If there's something that's important, feel free to DM me again now that I'm back in the inbox. Lastly, here is my favorite reminder to share with you guys. Don't forget to listen to yourself, to love yourself and to say yes to life so that life can say yes back to you. 
And if you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to subscribe and also please rate and review it. I think lots of you guys have found it recently. It's so exciting to see the numbers ticking up and to hear from more and more of you listeners all around the world, all different backgrounds. It's very cool. And it makes me feel very connected to the broader universe. When you subscribe, then it helps other people find it. Also, it lets you know when I record and release an episode because it's a different day every week because I am an Aquarius like that. (laughs) So thanks guys. Onward we go. See you next week.